mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to continue and probably finalize our study on the work of the Holy Spirit today. And I wanted to close out with understanding our part in the body. Understanding that we don't just get saved and then we sit down and we become the frozen chosen where we don't do anything, but we're literally a body of Christ, Christ being the head. Christ is where everything flows from, but the body does all the work and the, and the parts of the body are supposed to be healthy and that can only be done through the Holy Spirit. And that's why we've been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I can tell you and I will grant you that most churches will go out and pay for a janitor. Most churches will go out and pay for a secretary. They'll go out and hire their staff, but really the church is the people. It's not the building. And the people are supposed to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. And the only way to do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot fulfill the work of the kingdom of God in the flesh. Now, we've been doing that forever. As I quoted before, someone has said, if you wish to take the Holy Spirit out of the Acts church, remember it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. If you wish to take the Holy Spirit out of the Acts church, 5% of what they were doing would continue. But if you wish to take the Holy Spirit out of today's church, 95% of what we were doing would continue. Because it's all dealing with businesses and budgets and buildings. It's all dealing with just things that we know how to do naturally in the flesh. Anybody can run a food pantry in the flesh. Anybody can go out to the street and even run a program in the flesh. But are we doing the work of the Spirit? Are we asking God to equip us through the power of the Spirit? Are we, Romans 8, 14... As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Are we being led by the Spirit of God? Do we get up in the morning and ask God to baptize us afresh and anew, to fill us to overflowing for the work of the ministry today? Do, do we understand that we're dead men walking and that it's no longer what we desire to do, but it's what God's will is? And that's what coming to salvation is. Coming to salvation is being redeemed to walk in fellowship with God and do His will, not our will, not to live in the flesh, not to go out and do everything that the, that the world is doing, that anybody can do naturally, but we want to walk supernaturally. We want to be led by the Spirit. We want to be powered by the Spirit. We want to be equipped by the Spirit. We want to be transformed by the Spirit with a renewing of the mind. Listen, we don't want to get caught up in all the chaos. 
It's not about climate change. It's not about the stock exchange. It's not about sex change. It's about you change. Listen to me. It's about us changing by the power of the Spirit. That's the only way it's possible. But we get caught up in what everybody else is doing instead of led by the Spirit. We're led by purposes. We're led by plans. We're led by budgets. We're led by people that don't even have the Spirit of God. And then we think we're okay, but we have a form of godliness which denies the power thereof. That's why we're in perilous times. That's why the church is weak and anemic. Make no mistake, make no mistake, the gates of hell will not prevail against the true church. It cannot, will not. Already defeated, the gates of hell have already been exploded and destroyed. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and he's already done that. So we should be walking in victory. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. And we should be standing in that and then understanding the will of the Lord, that you would always be being filled with the Holy Spirit, that you would find out what the will of the Lord is and then walk circumspectly in it. But you can only do that as He leads you. You can't do it by somebody's business plan. You can't do it by somebody going out and doing demographic studies and saying, this is what this area needs. Everybody needs Jesus. And if you come to Jesus, you need to understand that when you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, then the Spirit seals you. But the Spirit isn't finished there. The Spirit wants to transform you, to change you into the image of God. Now, see, some of the par hard parts we have is, is that we call them the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But listen to me. All three of them are God. 100% God. Not any less than any of the other parts. It's just a trinity. So when we talk about the Spirit being in you, it's God in you. When we talk about being led by the Spirit, we're talking about being led by God and what He's doing. The salvation of souls. That's the plan. But we've all been given different talents, different abilities, different resources. We have different intellects, but we all work together for the common good, and we do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the focus has to be on doing God's will. If we're in the Spirit, automatically there's a unity, if you have the Spirit of God in you, that the Spirit automatically wants to take everything you have and use it for the glory of God. And if he's not, then you're quenching, resisting, ignoring, lying to, or you're not saved. It's that simple. If you have not the Spirit, you're not God's children. But you can change that. You can cry out to him at any moment. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, being evil, know how to give your children good gifts, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? Listen, that's the only way to know for sure that you're born again. You can run around and you can do all these other things and you can go to an altar and you can cry out to God and you can repent over and over and over. But if you have not the Spirit, you're not God's. And if you have the Spirit, there's going to be evidence of new life, that you're a new creation. That old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And you're going to begin to move in a different direction in life. And you're going to know that because you're going to know He's working in you. His Spirit 
Romans 8.16, his spirit will testify with your spirit. You'll be witnesses together. There'll be evidence that there's salvation. And we've been sold a false bill of goods in the church today where so many people just say, well, come on up here if you want to receive Jesus. And I probably shouldn't make light of it because it's one of the greatest deceptions the devil's ever done where people go to an altar and they say a prayer and they think they're okay and they die and go to hell because there's no change. There's no transformation. There's no renewing of the mind. There's no evidence of the Spirit of God dwelling in your house. Think about it. Now, listen to me. Now, you ever, you ever, you ever do this? Now, maybe it's a bad analogy. Maybe not. You ever get a new house? Like, we're moving! Whether you bought it or rented it, whatever you did, and you get that new house, and there's a sense of, there's work, but there's a sense of excitement and encouragement. This is a new step in life, but there's a lot to be done to move everything and set everything up and find a place for everything. Well, you've been given a new spiritual house. Your house has got new owners. The Holy Spirit has come in, and now He wants to fill you to overflowing. He wants to satisfy you. He wants to be the way that you do things now and you to listen to Him and have a relationship with Him and ask Him for wisdom. Ask Him for understanding. Ask Him for direction. Ask Him for power. Ask Him for strength. And build that relationship where you're looking to your husbandman. Oh yeah, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth is Jesus. He's another, but He's still God. And He's still there to train you and equip you and teach you. And everything in the body of Christ has to be done by the Spirit of God. In fact, let's just look really quickly. You're in 1 Corinthians 12, but flip back to Exodus 31. This isn't a new thought. This is the way God has always done it. Exodus 31. Now listen, see, the children, the Hebrews, the Israelites, they were already God's firstborn firstborn nation. He started with Abram. He brought Abram out of Ur of Chaldean, and then he began to take the false gods out of him and teach Abram how to trust him. He waited 25 years before he gave him the son of promise, Isaac, and by the time we get to Genesis 22, Abraham fully trusts him where he takes his son up on a hill and is going to sacrifice him. He's convinced that God will raise him from the dead because he's learned to trust him in this relationship and he's no longer trusting in the false gods. And it's the same thing when he took the children of Israel out of Egypt. Then he had to take Egypt and all the false gods out of their heart. But they get to Kadesh Barnea at the Jordan and they wouldn't enter in. They wouldn't believe. They hardened their hearts. It's the same thing with the church. He takes us out of the world and now he wants to take the world out of us. And we have to be willing to surrender and lay down the world. Listen, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you. But first, it's a vertical. Your vertical relationship has to be right, and then it brings all of your horizontal relationships into order. Oh, it doesn't mean that you won't have arguments and fights and suffering and pain, but you'll understand what's going on horizontally once you look vertically 
into the heavenlies and ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom to deal with life. Then you're going to have life and peace and you'll be able to deal with the horizontal issues. Oh, they'll still be hard. Some things will be really difficult. But listen, Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come up on people for a specific purpose, but it didn't remain with them. In fact, when the first king saw, God took the Spirit from him and gave him an evil spirit because he wouldn't obey. He made him seven times worse than he ever was because he would not surrender and allow God to take the ites out of his life. But New Testament, we understand that first we have to become children of God. See, the Israelites were already children of God, firstborn nation. You and I are Gentiles. If you're Hebrew, you might, but now you have to believe in, believe in God first. He came to his own, his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe, trust in his name. Now you become a child of God, and now you can have the Holy Spirit come upon you for specific purposes, but he never leaves you because he's already sealed you once you believed. But now you can have power to do the work of the ministry. You can have power to do service. That's what Acts 1.8 is about, is going out and being a witness and serving and loving and telling people about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. But it has to be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, granted, there's a lot of people that are giving the gospel in the flesh there's a lot of people out there that are giving the gospel in the flesh, and the word of God is living and powerful. It will accomplish what its purpose to do. He sent his word to heal the land, and you can share the gospel in the flesh, and I guarantee you the word will not return void. It will accomplish what it was purposed to do. But the will of God is, is that you would be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just sealed, but filled with power, having a relationship with the Holy Spirit who's taken everything of Jesus and presented it to you because we're joint heirs now. And Jesus gave us the sonship, the kinship, so that we can have everything we need in life. But anyway, in the Old Testament, in Exodus 31, we see the same thing happening. Uh, in 31.1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name... Basiliel, the son of Ura, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, same tribe Jesus comes from. And what did he do? I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Why? In wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship, to design artistic work, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze. Just so happened, bronze is judgment, silver is redemption, and gold is deity. See, they're in the opposite order here on earth. But if you look at them from a heavenly place, they would be the other way around if you're looking down. In cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of workmanship. And I indeed, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Hishmak of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all of the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Look what he's commanded them. The tabernacle of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the mercy seat that is on it, and all the furniture of the tabernacle, the table, the utensils, the pure gold lampstand, 
Actually, gold's not in the text. If you see it's in italics, it just says the pure lampstand, which is a picture of Christ, with all of its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering, and all the utensils, the laver and its base, the garments of ministry, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons, the ministers as priests, and the anointing oil, and the sweet incense for the holy place, according to all that I commanded you, they shall do. Listen. What's my point? Listen to me. Everything that they were building in the tabernacle in the wilderness that they carried around with them, that the people picked up, put in bags, hauled off to every camp, everything is a shadow. It's a type of the tabernacle in heaven. So it has to be built exactly like in heaven. Now, these people have never been to heaven. How could they know what it looked like in heaven? But the Spirit of God, which comes upon them, knows exactly what's in heaven because He is God. And then you fast forward this, you make it just like it is today in the church. You and I need to be like Christ. Well, we don't know what Christ looks like completely. We see some stuff in the pages. We don't know what love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control really looks like. But the Spirit is God. And He comes into our, we are now the tabernacle, into our tabernacle And he's the one that we have to talk with, the one that we have to walk with, be led by, guided. And and he reveals all truth to us. Everything about Jesus, if you do it in the flesh, you're going to end up following Antichrist because you're going to think that looks good, that looks close enough, that looks a lot like what would be good. This is my opinion. I think we should do it according to my understanding. Wait a minute. I want the understanding of the Holy Spirit who knows exactly who God is because He is God. So you have to have this relationship. Anything else is going to fall short. It's going to be following a lie. And if you follow a lie long enough, you end up in a ditch. You want the relationship with the Holy Spirit to come up on you so that He can transform you by the renewing of the mind so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You'll be the evidence, walking, living evidence that Christ raised from the dead. Is there evidence in your life of new life? Is there evidence in your life of being a new creation? Listen, we have to examine ourselves. Paul says, examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith. Test yourself. Put yourself on trial. Is there a courtroom? Could you present evidence and say, you know what? The Holy Spirit came into my life. Oh, but I quit listening to him. No, no, no. The Holy Spirit came in and he's waiting. He's waiting. All you have to do is turn and say, what now? What's my gifts? What's my talents? What's my abilities? What part do I have in the body of Christ? See, the reason reason there's perilous times is because people are doing their own thing instead of looking to be in the unity, in the bond of peace, and going out and letting people see our love for one another, and then they know we're his disciples. So I want to talk about these giftings today. Because you have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. You've been bought with a purpose. You've been bought with a price. And God wants to fill you with his spirit. And he wants to bind us together in unity. And the unity and the purpose is is for souls to be saved. 
The same way you got saved, through somebody praying for you, through somebody sharing the gospel with you, he wants us to keep going and finding other people that want to come to salvation, that desire to draw near. But we can't just say a prayer and then return back to life as normal and think that there's evidence of salvation. That's false. That's following a false spirit. That's doctrines of demons. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read um, a couple verses and then we'll pray. Now concerning spirituals, notice gifts is in italics. It's not in the original text. It's been added for understanding. It actually says now concerning spirituals brethren i do not want you to be ignorant you know that you were gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led therefore i make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of god calls jesus accursed and no one can say that jesus is lord except by the holy spirit there are a diversity of gifts but the same spirit there are differences of ministries but the same lord and there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would pour out your Spirit upon us. That you would give us a desire to look to you. To look why you have called us. What part of the body we are what gifts we have, what talents, what abilities. And then you would send us to the lost, Lord. Equip us and send us so that others could come to salvation because of our witness and our testimony. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now concerning, touching upon with respect to spirituals, Spiritual gifts added so that we can understand it. Um, they're not carnal. It can't be done in the flesh. Oh, you're a good teacher. Well, in the flesh. If you let the Spirit teach, it'll be much better. It's supernatural. Now, everybody pretty much has at least, well, everybody has one gift. You can have more than one gift. It's up to God. We're going to see that in the text. You can also have the gift of thus and thus, and then anytime you're available to be used by God, He can use you in any gift that He wants to use you with because you're there. If you show up, He can use you in that gift, whatever the gift is, if you're available. There's plenty of people that teach, and they allow the Holy Spirit to use them to teach, but their main gift is not teaching. Because it's the Holy Spirit that teaches us. You don't need anybody to teach you. But we do work together for the profit of all. So let's look. Spiritual gifts. And it's really referring to one who is filled with the Holy Spirit and governed by the Spirit of God, willing to be used by God. But I believe we have at least one and maybe more main gifts and he doesn't want us to be ignorant. He's talking to the church in Corinth. There's so much stuff. Corinth was one of the three C's uh, of the worst, worst 
people on the planet. If you remember the temple, Aphrodite was there. They had a thousand temple priests and the prostitutes would come down at night. All of this chaos was going on. The temple priests were getting saved and they were coming in and, and, and the, the women were shaving their head bald and that's how you knew they was a prostitute. The men were growing their hair real long. That's how you knew they were a male prostitute and, and they were coming into the church and bringing that culture into the church and there's all this chaos going on in Corinth. It was one of the worst cities you'd ever imagine. They had everything about like America. You can get about anything you want. You can go into any temple. You can go into any church in America, and you keep going, and you will find one that tickles your flesh, tickles your ears, and does exactly the way you want to do church. You get to walk in, walk out. You don't have to be touched. You don't have to be, you fill in the blank. Whatever you want, you can find it in America. There's a church on every corner. You can find one that will allow you to be you. But that's as much flesh as any other flesh is on the planet. God calls you. He loves you. He meets you where you're at. It, God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But he doesn't want to leave us there. He wants to change us, transform us, renew our minds so that we will stop living according to the lie and be children of God who follow his spirit and live according to truth. So Corinth was um, pretty messed up. And this is, you know, the first Corinth, second Corinth is really uh, in truth, second Corinthians and four Corinthians. There's four letters written. Two of them have been lost. They don't know where the other two are. So some of the content we don't understand because of the other two letters that are not available. Told you that just to help you understand because we're going to have a verse in verse 3 that doesn't make a lot of sense uh, unless you understand that there's other correspondence going on and there's things going on where Paul planted this church and then the Judaizers and the Gnostics come in behind him and they're trying to say that Paul is wrong and that Paul doesn't know what he's doing and you got to do these things. And they're trying to get people to follow doctrines of demons and they're trying to get people to follow familiar spirits and do everything except be led by the Spirit of God. And that's what's still going on because it's always been going on on the planet. That's what the devil's doing. So he says, I do not want you to be ignorant. That means unlearn. I know some people have a hard time with the word ignorant. But it just means unlearn, unknowing. In fact, it means not to know through the lack of information or intelligence. But it also implies to ignore. See, because that's what happens in the body of Christ when you think that all you have to do is say a prayer and you're in like Flynn, you're okay. As we begin to ignore the things that we should be taking the greater heed to, and we keep doing what we like to do in the flesh. And there's no death to self in that. So we ignore what God's calling us to do. And we have to understand, listen, in the body of Christ, in, in our life right now, there's the sin of commission, but then there's also the sin of omission. When God says go and you don't go, that's sin. That's sin. It's a sin of omission. You're not doing. You're omitting what God has asked you to do. Let any parent talk about it. I told my child to go out and mow the yard, and that yard is not mowed. The mower's not even out of the garage. Is that kid in trouble? Did that kid not obey? Listen to me. 
there's some do's and some don'ts, and we're not saved by them. But once we're saved, if we really have the Spirit of God, we will desire to do the work of the ministry. If we really were dangling over hell and we understand what salvation is and that God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we really understand that we were on our way to hell because we were lost and he woke us up and said, I love you. And you believe in his son and the spirit of God comes in you and you don't care about anybody else getting saved anybody else being encouraged and exhorted and being a right witness so that they know what it looks like. There's something wrong because that's all the Spirit of God is doing in the world today. That's all the Spirit of God is doing is convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment and righting the ship of those who are upside down. So if we have the Spirit of God, we would desire to do the same thing that God is doing. But we've bought into this plan Again, of programs, this plan of what it looks like. Well, we bust them in here, and then we get them into the classroom. Then we play a few short songs and some long songs, and, and we do this and that and the thus and the other thing, and we take up money. That's all program. That's all the world. That's not the body of Christ led by the Spirit of God. I'm telling you right now, the only reason we have a building is because people think people are nuts because they meet in their house. This building is not the church. You're the church. We're the church. We're living stones being chipped away at. But if you do something different than what the culture is doing, people think you're whacked out. So the easiest way to meet people and tell them the truth is to have a building like the rest of the people are doing. I'd sell this building in a minute, make a nice furniture store. I could care less about this building, but we have to take care of it. But the temple we need to worry about is here. This is the temple. It's, it's the middle of us. It's the part that's going to live for eternity someplace. With God or separated from God. It's not about buildings. But we have movements everywhere that think it's about the building. They're a nice church. They've got the whole stadium. They bought a whole stadium and they fill it up every week. They've got to be doing something right. No, they've got to be doing something wrong. People don't want to serve God. Your, your flesh is, a, is an enemy of God. And especially if the building is filling up and there's still nothing getting done except a bunch of fleshly work, it's not God. The same way Israel did it. Jesus told them, you're, you're a bunch of whitewashed fences, a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You travel land and sea to find, to find one proselyte, one convert, and then you make them twice the sons of hell. In other words, you convince them that they're okay when they're really dead. Twice the sons of hell. They die twice, but they think they're okay. And there's no spirit in it. There's no God in it. There's a bunch of man's programs in it. Listen, your relationship comes from the Spirit of God sealing you and then the Spirit of God leading you in the Word of God to wash and cleanse you and you become part of the body of Christ and you long to be in unity with the rest of the people. You want to be in fellowship. You desire it. You run from the world to get your feet washed. You run because you've been all week long working and you desire to be around believers. That's the Spirit of God. And you're only going to find that as you draw near to God, as you begin to get into the Word. You begin to draw near to God and say, what is this? 
Because your flesh naturally wants to do religious stuff. Your flesh naturally wants to keep doing whatever you're doing. It's easy to do, too. Easiest thing in the world is to deceive yourself and keep running around out there in the world. I'm saved. I said a prayer. I'm saved. I believe Jesus is Lord. Really? Where's the evidence? Listen, I'm preaching to all of us. You don't get halfway saved and go, well, there's no evidence anymore. You don't let an apple tree grow up about this high before it bears fruit and then cut it down and go, that's an apple tree. No, that's a dead apple tree. You just cut it down. It's a dead apple tree. You better call it what it is. Truth is truth. Listen to me. This is, this is, this is a race, and it's not over yet. We are not home yet. Don't be ignorant and do not ignore the fact that God wants to use your life now. He bought you with the precious blood of Jesus and he wants to use your vessel. He wants to fill it up and he wants to send you out and prove that he's living in you. Two, you know that you were Gentiles. He's talking to the church in Corinth. The Cappadocians, the Cretans, and the Corinthians. That was the three C's. Maybe it was the Sicilians. Is Sicilian with a C or an S? S? Okay. Couldn't have been that. Cretans, the Cappadocians, and the, and the Corinthians were the three C's of the, the crazy evil people on the planet. Everything was available. Anyway, Gentiles, and what were they? They were carried away by dumb idols. Listen. Dumb is voiceless, mute. They can't speak. Think about it. They cut down a tree, and they take a piece of that tree, and they, they, they put it in the fire, and they start making some coffee, and then they take another piece, and they start carving a little idol with eyes, but it can't see, with a nose, but it can't smell, with a mouth, but it's voiceless. It's dumb. And then they start bowing down to it and go, oh, mighty idol. Let me get some coffee. Hang on a minute. And, and, and they made their own idol. And that's what we do in the church when we don't let the Spirit of God lead the life of a child of God. We make up some dumb idol. Was it Voltaire that said, God created man in his own image and we quickly repaid the favor. Listen, we're supposed to let God create in our hearts his image again. Recreate. That's salvation. He created man, Adam, in his image Sin came in, and now it flipped us upside downward to, to body, soul, and spirit. And now he brings salvation. You believe in Jesus, it flips you right side up again, spirit first. Your spirit married to God's spirit, bearing witness, and there's evidence of new life because of that marriage. And then you put your mind, will, and emotions Second, you put them on hold. You say, does my mind, will, and emotions, what I'm doing, line up with what God's Word says? And then your flesh is crucified. It's dead. You put it in the grave. You don't give it any room. And if it sticks its head up, you boot it right in the face, and you put it back down under the dirt. Because if it gets up, there's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Flip that around. Because that's the church. No spirit walking in the flesh and following programs, but no relationship with God through the spirit. 
because of the blood of Jesus. And we all can stumble, but we should have our hearts turned toward home. We should have our minds set upon these stains, not following dumb idols. Idols, dumb, they can't speak. You get it? God speaks. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. This, this word here for dumb is voiceless. No voice. It means mute. And then it says, however you were led. We were led by demon spirits. We were led by, you fill in the blank, your own desires, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now the children of God are supposed to be led by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. This is uh, an easy thing for God, a hard thing for us to get out of the flesh and surrender and be still and wait upon God to do what He wants to do in our lives. Because we think that making dust is good. And then He says in verse 3, Therefore I make known to you, and I'm just going to cover these things quickly, uh, that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, uh, anathema, is the word there and no one can say no one has the power to say that jesus is lord except by the holy spirit can say means the power it's dunamai it's a word that's related to dudamus you have no power to say it now what's he talking about see evidently because they were being led by false spirits still they were allowing everything from yoga and labyrinths and, and, and crazy hypnotic music they were doing everything just like we're doing today they were allowing these spirits to come in and somebody must have been speaking in some type of a tongue or prophesying and they were saying that jesus was accursed and they were claiming that Jesus was their Lord, but everything that they did and said said that Jesus wasn't their Lord. And so apparently this was going on. Paul gets word of it. Paul's answering this and saying there's no way that that could happen, that the Spirit of God would do that. They're not gonna, you're not going to be part of the body of Christ and say Jesus is accursed or something wrong with Jesus. You're only going to glorify Jesus. And so a gift was being used inappropriately, just like today in the church. We throw them all out because we're afraid of them, but really all the gifts still are the same. There's people that are called cessationists. That means they believe that the gifts ceased. They quit. And I tell you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is always going to be doing what He's doing and there's no way from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible that anybody's going to do the work of the God without the Spirit of God and God giving men gifts. Because it has to be done by that Spirit that knows what God is doing. You have no operating system to understand what God is doing unless you listen to the Spirit of God. When you walk up into a situation, you're getting gas and there's somebody standing there. God knows everything about that person that you start to talk to. God knows exactly what you need to say. You walk away and go, boy, that was stupid. I don't even can't even believe I said that. And God uses it perfectly because you entered, you entered into a conversation where you wanted to tell him about Jesus. God will use it perfectly. You don't have to walk away and go, that was real dumb. No, you introduce God to that conversation and God will use it. God knows what that person needs to hear to be lightly watered or plant some seeds 
God knows how to use your life if you will just surrender your life to Him and be led by the Spirit and say, God, I want to be used today. God, I want to walk in my gifts today. God, what are my gifts? What part of the body am I? Yeah, you might think when I say, oh, man, where are they at today? How come they're not here that I'm worried about numbers? I'm not worried about numbers. I'm worried about the whole body showing up. You know, if I was to show up at work like this tomorrow with only one arm, my boss is going to be freaking out. It takes two to run that machine. Be like, dude, you didn't bring your left arm. Yeah, it was kind of uh, tired. It was up all night. Sorting socks. So I left it at home. Seriously, that's the body of Christ. The body is a perfect analogy. And people don't show up. People don't care about being showing up. People don't care about other people. And that shows that they're walking in the flesh because the Spirit of God is concerned about everybody. The Spirit of God is dead to self and trying to help you. Jesus came down and died to help us. It doesn't change him one bit. And so the whole focus of the body of Christ should be to revive people from the dead and to take off the grave clothes and help them to grow, help them to get involved, help them to go out and be a witness. I'm not trying to prevent you from going through hardships. I want you to go through hardships. Huh? Yeah, then you'll cry out to God. God's not trying to prevent you. He wants you to cry out and to completely die to self. And in your weakness, listen to him, and then you can be used by him. But as long as you're full of yourself, you're never going to be used by God. So somebody here um, is saying the wrong things, and they're doing it because of a false spirit, antichrist spirit, doctrines of demons, familiar spirits. They're everywhere. If you're not, if you're not, listen, if you want to know what the work of the Holy Spirit is, you go to Galatians 5. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you want to know what the will of the Lord is, you know that His will is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. If you want to know how He's doing it, you read the Word of God. It's through Jesus, through the blood of Jesus, not a cross. The cross was the means of death. The blood is the instrument of life. Without blood, there is no life. Without blood, there is no covenant. But you have to read the Bible to understand this, or you'll be following some other spirits. You'll be following some spirit that's teaching some other doctrine that has nothing to do with the God of the Bible. And you'll think you're good, you'll have religion, and you'll feel pious, and you'll be like, yeah, but I'm following this system. And it's a relationship in the spirit. And you'll never be lost as long as you read this manual, Emmanuel with us. 66 books by 40 authors, all inspired by the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to read it and draw near, He'll draw near to you. And He'll grow fruit in your life. But there's no way for fruit to grow unless you die. Think about it. It's a natural law on the planet. You put a seed in the ground and it grows. No, it dies first. It germinates first. Then it begins to grow when it's watered. Right? It's the science, real science. And then you get these people to come in and they genetically modify it and they change everything and they think they can grow it without God. Eh, wrong answer. And they're getting ready to find out. So verse 4, we're going to get to our text. I just wanted to do all that introduction, 40 minutes. There are a diversity of gifts.
a diversity of gifts. And the word gifts is actually um, charismas. You ever say that person has charisma? This is where this comes from. Charisma. There's a dynamic in the life of a believer. When he's walking in the Spirit, you will see that dynamic. There's, it's evidenced by the way he's living and walking, but it comes from God. It's not from you. It's from, if it's from you, God will leave the room. So there's different. A diversity means a distinction, a variety. There's differences, and it's, it's divine graces spirituals that God gives their supernatural spiritual endowments and they're done by mer- it's miraculous and, and, and it's really easy to do stuff but if it's not the spirit of God are you supposed to be doing it see in the church today and all the churches they just do programs they do what the other churches are doing let's go start a church let's go start a coffee house let's start a bus ministry hey let's do a food ministry we got a couple more people and we just keep doing the same things over and over and over but we're mimicking the flesh We're not following the pattern of the Spirit. Sure, we want to take care of urgent needs, as Paul told uh, Titus on the island of Crete. You meet urgent needs, and then you have a voice in their lives. But you don't just meet the urgent needs and never tell them about Jesus, which is what the church does today. We pay their rent, and we don't tell them about Jesus. So there's different gifts but the same spirit. Notice there's only one spirit. A lot of antichrist spirit out there, but the spirit we're talking about is God's spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the one that's supposed to seal us, and then we begin to have a communication with who makes the word of God alive, and we hear the voice of God, the Son of God, and we follow it. And then he washes and cleanses us as we obey it. He doesn't want us to be ignorant, but most people ignore it. And do their own thing. Verse 5. There are differences of ministries. Again, it's the same word. Um, diversities. Same word exactly in the Greek. But they changed it. And that to, drives me nuts when I'm thinking, why would somebody translate the Bible, use the same word, and then use it differently unless it was meant to be used differently? Differences and diversities, same thing. Difference is of ministries. Now, ministries is the word uh, administrations in the King James, and it really just means a minister, a servant, because all of the spiritual gifts are either spoken or service. It's all spoken word or service. That's, the, that's all the gifts. There it is. You're a servant, and, and, and a pastor is the head servant who actually serves first and then speaks, just like Jesus. He began to do and then to teach. He was a servant first, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He served first, and then it gave him a choice or an ability to speak, to teach So service is always first. And how do you do the service? He gives you power. How's the power given? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you. Well, how's that given? When you desire it and you ask. And then you serve in love. No matter what the people do, you continue to love them. Love sometimes makes a distinction, though. Just as James says, on some have compassion, 
mercy, grace, bowels of mercy. They don't understand. They, they, they forgive them, Lord, for they don't know what to do. Others say, I'm saved, and they're doing nothing. And you make a distinction, and you might have to rebuke them. You might have to call them out. You might have to excommunicate them until they repent of their flesh. Those are all things that are in the Bible that are perfectly normal in the body of Christ, except today all we do is preach, and if they sit, if there's enough money in the box or enough money in the plate, we don't care about it because we can pay the bills, we go on about our business. And we're not concerned about the people sitting in the pews, which is contaminating the rest of the body because your sin and my sin affects everybody in the body because it's just like if, if I get shot in this arm, it affects the whole body. Every medication they give me for that wound to try to fix it affects the whole body. So how you live affects everybody in the body. That's why we come together to be equipped. We all come together as one and we go, break, just like a huddle on a football team. And we go out to the world to tell them what we know now. I had a guy this week, I talked to him, he was in prison from 16 to 53 And I said, well, uh, and he said he wrote a book. And I said, well, I don't read books except the Bible. I said, there's enough books been written. 66 is enough for me. I don't need to hear your sideways glance at the Bible. I said, I don't mean to be. He didn't tell me he wrote the book until afterwards. So he said, if I made a book available to you. And he goes, well, then why should anybody come to hear you preach? And I said, well, they don't come to hear me preach. They come to be equipped by the Spirit of God. And we all come to be on the same page of what we're doing for God and how we're living for God and to check on one another the same way your body does. And you're not supposed to forsake the assembling of yourself together, as is the manner of some, but you encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. It's got nothing to do with coming to hear me. It's got to do with coming to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church, to be equipped, to be perfected, to be completed, and to be one I'm not writing a new book. I'm trying to expound on this book that it takes forever to get through. I've only got three or four verses here. Come on. I've got 31 to get through. So people get all twisted up in their teaching and their theology when the Bible's real clear what we're doing here. It's still not me teaching. If, if, if anything, if I say anything up here, it's because the Spirit of God is using me in the gift of God for the glory of God. It's for the profit of all. And if you receive anything out there, it's because the Spirit of God is equipping your heart with the work of the ministry, and you're supposed to go and act on it. You're supposed to become a doer and not a hearer only, deceiving yourself. But you can't even receive it unless the Spirit of God gives it to you. I could be talking to one person in the room, and the other one's not hear nothing but then I could be speaking to everybody the next moment and everybody hear it if the Spirit of God is alive in your life. And that's just because that's the way the gift of teaching works. So, verse 5, differences of ministries. That's servant, but the same Lord. Notice you got the Spirit. Now you got the Lord. Kurios, the Lord of glory. And there are diversities, differences of activities. So the activities is the operations in the King James. It means the working out of the Spirit. It means the effects of it. it to, what is wrought through it. What happens when you do it. 
There's different activities, but, you know, it could be the same gift. I might be teaching here. I'm going to be teaching at the nursing home later. I might teach at work or when I'm witnessing on the street. So there's different ways for it to be done in different activities, but the same gift, same spirit and the same Lord. And then he says, but it is the same God who works all in all. Is he working in you? He works all in all. Ergon, it's his energy. It's his effective working. It's him doing it. It's his power. You can't do it in the flesh. If it's in the flesh, it's not God. Verse 7, but the manifestation, the exhibition is the word, the bestowment, the expression of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. It's not supposed to be a pastor being a rock star. It's not supposed to be, hey, look at them. Look what they did. They have a gift, and they're better than everybody else. You know, in James, it specifically says, if anybody's sick, call for the elders. There's an S on it. Go read the text. Yet we see people on TV who say they have the gift of healings, and there's only one guy there getting all the glory. See, when it's elders and you have several people, you don't know which one had the gift of healing, and we keep the focus on God. We keep the focus on the one who gave the gift of healing in the first place. It's not supposed to be about us being lifted up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, if Jesus be lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. It's for the profit of all. Your gift, your gift and what you do is for everybody in the body of Christ. You might be a foot, and if you don't show up, the body can't move. You might be an eye, and if the body can't see, then we're in trouble. We'll follow the world. Listen to me, it's very important. In the book of Numbers, that's what it's about. They counted the people, they numbered the people, and they gave everybody a job. Everybody had a work to do in in order to carry that temple around, in order to move out in the wilderness, in order to be a congregation in the wilderness, they all had to show up. But if Jim gets mad, sorry, your name's Jim, I'm just picking a name, and everybody gets to the next campsite, and they go, well, where's the stakes at? We can't drive stakes. Who's carrying stakes? Jim. His name's on the list. Jim's carrying them. We can't even set up the tabernacle to worship God because Jim's mad. And he's over there with the stakes at the last camp. See, that's why we fellowship together. That's why iron sharpens iron. That's why even when you're mad, the greatest thing you can do to be like God, what is it? Overlook transgression. Extend grace and mercy. That's, I, I love God the most because he overlooks my transgressions. Because he cast them as far as the east is from the west. Because he loves me where I'm at, but he wants me to go onward and upward with him. And he gives me mercy and grace to help in time of need. And so if you want to be like God, you should be giving that to the people around you. Even when the sparks fly. And iron sharpening iron. It should make you sharper. So, God works it all in all. And the manifestation of the Spirit is each for one. It's not just for your profit. It's just not just so one person can get a payment out of it, profitable. Verse 8, new beginning. Let's start over. For to one is given, notice it's a gift. You've been given Christ, you're given the Spirit, you're sealed, you're baptized in the Spirit, and one is given the gift of word of wisdom. This would be, obviously, anytime it says word, you know it's a speaking gift, right? A word of wisdom. But you can have a speaking gift, have a word of wisdom, and never open your mouth. Now nobody gets the wisdom. You're not using the gift. Listen to me. Word of wisdom. 
See, because you can have all the knowledge in the world and keep it in. I know you don't. Ha, ha, ha. This is a competition. Not going to tell you. Flesh. See, wisdom is also knowing when to speak, when not to speak, and who to speak to. Wisdom is a lot more than just knowing. Word of wisdom is probably going to be how to and when to. Not, not just having the wisdom. It's the word Sophia. See, and again, the, the world borrows off of this. The, the number one robotic AI is Sophia. Her name is Sophia. That's the Greek word for wisdom. Ask her if she believes in Jesus. I don't understand. Ask Siri. Ask any of these um, monitors in your house. You remember them baby monitors everybody had for their babies? That's what them things are. They're monitors for your house. They know what's going on. They, they, they're treating us like babies, like we don't know that they're monitoring our house and listening to everything we say. It's kind of weird. I always say, Alexa, turn yourself off. I love saying that. It's called put shut up on your mouth. I better get back to the text. I apologize. I digress. Where are we at? Word of wisdom, speaking gift, through the Spirit. Notice it's through the Spirit, always showing the channel. People think they're so wise. Oh, I'm wise. Not if you're not letting the Spirit lead your life. You're not wise at all. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You're not going to have any wisdom unless you listen to what God's saying. The word of knowledge. Is that the next one? To another, the word of knowledge. Notice the gifts are being given one to another. He's going to address in a minute that not everybody has the same gifts. Listen, how, what if I, I had 37 arms? That'd look really weird. Wouldn't be normal, would it? I better wait for that. He's going to talk about that. So the word of knowledge. And that's knowing something that you shouldn't know about something, about someone. I always laugh because I pray and ask God and he gives you knowledge. Now, knowledge is not one of my gifts, but I know where to get knowledge from. It all comes from him. I remember having a believers meeting once, and I tell this over and over and over because it was a time that I did not allow the Holy Spirit to use my life. And we're in a believers meeting, and I was, the, the Spirit was telling me to stand up and say that somebody was having an affair on their wife. And I would not do it. I'm like, that's crazy. I ain't standing up like I got some knowledge and say, oh, you're in uh, adultery and you need to repent and return to your wife. That's what the Spirit was telling me to do. And it was one of our elders on the front row sitting right in front of me. We find out. Three or four different believers meetings I was told to do that and would not do it. I was like, uh-uh. I was, I was only two or three years old in the Lord. I'm not doing it. But it was knowledge that God was giving me to say it so that that and could get right with God, not to expose them, not to destroy them, not to hurt them, but to bring them back to God so that they could repent. That's what the gifts are for, the profit of all, so that we will all get right, not get deceived, not get left behind, not think we're okay when we still need a doctor, not think we have the Spirit of God when we don't. See, that's how we know the evidence is when the Spirit is moving and we freely Allow that to happen. Now, be careful. 
Because if you was to jump up front here, 12, 13, and 14 is really about the gifts. If you was to jump all the way up here to 14 to a, actually what a church meeting looks like in 14, 26 through 33, that's, this is really a believer's meeting. It's really church. Unbelievers are not supposed to be sitting in a church meeting because it's for the equipping of the saints. It's not for unbelievers to come in. He talks about that in chapter 14. But in 14... Um, 29, he says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. That's my point. When you step up and go, somebody's an adult. Listen, somebody else is supposed to be in the room with the spirit judging what you're saying so that you don't just say some nonsense. We've had plenty of people step up and say nonsense because there's an abuse of the spirit of God. And we we ain't going to get that text today. We had a, a meeting. We were having a believers meeting and there was a lady standing over my wife's like, honey, and she's yelling at me. And she's pointing at this lady, and this lady's over there like she's getting ready to fall out in the spirit. So I went over and I said, you go to your seat and you sit down and don't you dare get up the rest of this service. She's like, I want somebody to catch me. I said, go sit down right now. And most people would say, he's a mean dude. No, that was love because she was trying to do something that is not biblical. Everybody that falls out backward in the Bible are unbelievers. The believers fall forward on their face and they worship God. When they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, what happened? We're looking for Jesus. I am. They all fell backward. Believers fall forward. They don't need nobody to catch them. God's already caught them. There's a control of the Spirit. There's self-control in the Spirit. And so there's an abuse There's an abuse of the Holy Spirit. That's why you have to be in the Word of God. You have to be seeking to do the will of God. And you have to be willing not to be the attention that is drawn to you. That's pride. That's arrogance. That's flesh. The attention has to be put upon God. I better get busy. We're never going to get done with this. This is crazy. i got two other texts to go to and four other hours. Four. I'll be talking like this from now on. Where are we at even? Oh, word of knowledge, knowing something. Same spirit. Notice it's through the same spirit. He keeps repeating it so you know where it comes from. Verse 9, to another faith by the same spirit. Now, see, all of us have faith. It's pistis. It means to entrust your spiritual well-being in Christ. But some people have supernatural faith. It's when everything's going wrong, they can still encourage you and they have faith. That's, that's over and above what other people's faith is. And no matter how bad things look, they still trust the Lord in it. So there's a gift of faith, not just a measure of faith. And then there's a gift of healings. And it's always by the same Spirit. The attention should be on the Spirit. God is still healing today. Third world countries, He does it all the time. In America, we're powerless because we ignore the Spirit. But He is doing healings today. It's not going to be on TV. It's going to be when a church lays hands on somebody and anoints them with oil and prays for them, and God heals all the time. I've seen quite a few of them, and, and you can go, oh, really? You name one of them and prove it. I don't have to prove it. I'm not here to prove nothing. I'm here to be evidence of God and to obey God. And I've seen babies healed. I've seen all kinds of stuff happen. And most doctors will say, well, it's a miracle. It's not there anymore. Well, my church prayed for me. Well, it's just gone. 
We don't know how to explain it. No, I just explained it to you. Well, it's not there anymore, but no, I just told you what it was. And they don't want to hear it. There are doctors who will listen, but I'm just saying for the most part. Verse 10, to another working of miracles. That's just miraculous power to do stuff that's miraculous. There's stuff that's still going on. It's a miracle. I'm not going to stop and tell you. You can trust God, though. He's still doing miracles today. The fact that you guys sit and listen to me for over an hour is a miracle. I could tell you about some, though. I'm not going to right now to take too long. To another prophecy. Now, this prophecy can be foretelling, but it's always going to line up with the Word of God. This is a different word than the word for foretelling, but it also means the same thing. Prophecy, mainly in the church today, is foretelling what God has already told us is going to happen. But there's also people that have the gift of prophecy, and they can look at the signs of the time. They know what's going on. They have their heartbeat on it, and they can tell you what's probably going to happen according to what the Word of God says. And they can make it out better for you than what you might be able to make it out for yourself. And you go, wow, I never thought of that. And and they share with you uh, what the events look like and help you clarify that. To another, discerning of spirits. The word discerning there is the word judge. Judging spirits. Listen, test the spirits. Not all of them are from God. They're antichrist spirits. In fact, there's been many spirit of antichrist sent out to deceive the elect if it were possible. So you can't just believe a teacher because, oh, they sound good. Well, they might be, they might be stroking your flesh. They might be tickling your ear. You might have wanted to hear what they say because now you've got the counsel you wanted even though it's against God. So test the spirit. Are they speaking the word of God or are they speaking the word of the flesh so you can pretend to be a child of God and keep doing what you want to do in the flesh? That's going on everywhere in the church today. You can't say that. You shouldn't do that. You can't. Come on. This is about your relationship. Get right with God. Test the spirits. Don't just heap up teachers that tickle your ears and say what you want to hear. If you don't get your toes stepped on in church, you must be already perfect or you're in the flesh. If I'm up here preaching and I'm not stepping on your heart, that's what I'm aiming for, not your toes. I'm aiming for your heart. And you don't get anything out of the sermon. You're either, one, perfect, or you're in the flesh. Because God is here today speaking in the Spirit. And if you don't like any of it, and you don't get anything from it, and you're not doing anything, you're either dead, or you're resisting the Spirit, or you're perfect already. So you should be home in heaven with Him. Believe me, listen, you want to grow. You want to hear something new. You're here to be equipped. And if you're not getting equipped, there's something wrong at the heart of your Christian walk. Something very wrong. So there's the discerning of spirits, the judging of the spirits. Another different kinds of tongues. It's glossé. Glossé. It's actually speaking in foreign languages. He deals with it in 14 about the tongues of angels. There are tongues of angels. It's been dealt with. Not everybody has a tongue of angels. Not everybody has that. He's going to say that down in verse 29. Not everybody has a tongue of angels. But they also use people where you could speak a foreign language and not even know you're speaking it so that you could speak some, to somebody in another language. And I've not got time to go into it, but it all goes back to the Tower of Babel where God confused the languages so they wouldn't kill themselves and he could pour out his grace upon them until Jesus came. 
And then there's somebody that interprets the tongues. Listen, he's going to say it in 14, that let two or three at the most speak. And if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent and speak to himself. You don't speak in the church in a tongue if nobody can interpret it and edify the body. Why? Because it's for the profit of all. So everything has to be decently and in order. That's what he says in, verse, or in chapter 14 in a believer's meeting. But one and the same Spirit, always pointing back to why we're doing it, who's doing it, where the power comes from, who's giving the gifts, the same Spirit works all things, all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. It's God's will. It's not our will. Well, I, I, I want to be a pastor. <laughs> you better take that up with God. There's a whole bunch of people that go to seminary every year. Thousands of people go to seminary every year just because they're just chasing a career following the American dream. And they're not teachers. They're not called to be pastors. God didn't give them that gift. We have Bible colleges in the Calvary movement. And, you know, they ask Chuck, they say, how many of these people here are going to be pastors? They're all going to your Bible college. You go, oh, None of them. See that guy fixing that roof over there? See that guy mowing the grass over there? That's the pastors. These people sitting up here in the classroom, they ain't no pastors. Ain't none of them going to be a pastor. They're desiring what they want, not doing what God calls them to do. It's a calling. That's what's wrong with our planet right now. Everybody's got a career instead of a calling. You were designed by a designer, a creator to do something. And now you're supposed to come back to him and do that in salvation. You were designed specifically for the works that you should walk in before you were ever born. They were created in Christ Jesus as his workmanship. I don't like my job. I don't have a job. I clean carpet all week long, but I have a ministry. I have a calling to talk to people about Jesus. And while I'm spinning that machine, you ask anybody that ever works with me. That's all I talk about. Because I have a calling to share the gospel, to go and make disciples. Verse 12, for as the body is one, one body has many members, have arms, legs, eyes, many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Christ is one. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. This is not talking about water baptism. It's talking about the supernatural sealing. When you believe Jesus is Lord, you're automatically transported into the body of Christ. You become part of the church. The Spirit seals you. Now, if the Spirit's in you, He wants to give you gifts. He wants to lead you. He wants to transform you. And you need to cooperate with Him. And the first thing that He says to do is baptize you in water. And that's an identification where you go down into a watery grave testifying to everybody watching, you go down into a watery grave, you're washed clean, and you get back up out of the grave at the same time, and everybody gets to see you. And all you're doing is testifying to people of what's going on on the inside. But it's just symbolic of an inner working. It's symbolic of agreeing that I'm crucified with Christ. So many people get baptized out of works, out of flesh. They go, I'm getting baptized. And, and it's got nothing to do with following Jesus. It's got to do with people looking at them and say, well, I'm going. Listen, we ought to hold people accountable. If you're going to get baptized, we ought to hold them accountable that now you've said you're going to follow Jesus. Where are you at? 
What you been doing? Oh, well, I just thought you had to believe and then get baptized. Then you get to go to heaven, so I get to go do what I want. Well, that's why I thought that's all flesh. That's nothing to do with the church. It's nothing to do with truth. It's nothing to do with living for God. Nothing to do be washed and clean, and now you're going to let the Spirit wash and clean the inside of you. I better quit. I'm going to get fired, ain't I? And it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Greek, slave or free. All have been made to drink one spirit. I, I scratched out into. If yours says into, just scratch it out. Drink one spirit. You know what that word is? This is so cool. All have been made to drink one spirit. It means to furnish drink, to irrigate to feed and water. It metaphorically means to saturate one's mind with the Spirit of God, taking the Word of God and washing you and cleansing you and renewing your mind so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's the Holy Spirit saturating you with water. You've been made to drink. So if the Spirit of God is in you, He's wanting you to drink. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He'll change you. 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Think about it. Your body, it's many members. If the foot should say, pay attention to the analogy. If your foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were a hearing, where would the smelling? But God has so set, God placed, anointed, put people, the members in each of them in the body just as he pleased. And if they were, well, 18, we'll start with 19 next. Listen to me. Notice the context. If the foot should say, that means you say into yourself. That means you thinking, oh, I'm nothing because they're a hand and I'm a foot. And, and, and they're taller than me and they're smaller than me and they're smarter than me and they got more education and more money than me. You're saying it to yourself, but it's not the identity and the truth of the spirit. You're acting like there's something wrong with you, but you're God's child. You're perfect. You're just like Christ. You're righteous in every way. God has called you. He baptized you into the body, but you've convinced yourself that that's not your identity. So you need to know your identity. Uh, I'm a foot. I'm not a hand, so I'm not as good as them. We're all the same. It's the same body with Christ as the head. So the first one is about the person saying it of themselves. The second one, verse 19, and if they were all one, verse, uh, they're all one member, where would the body be? Verse 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand. Now this is somebody else saying that their gift is more important than the other. See, it happens both ways. First, you think you're not as good because you don't know your identity. Then somebody else is proud and they say, the eye to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. All parts are necessary. Listen to me. I have no idea sometimes what, why I have an armpit. I have no idea sometimes why I have a forehead when there's no hair growing on it. I'm just teasing. But there's parts of the body you go, what is that for? Anyway. 
God makes the body perfectly. Why are they here? They're not wanting to do it. And, and you can't say those things. You have to know that every part is here on purpose. No matter where their walk is at, God's got them here on purpose. And you're still supposed to be faithful in what you're called to do regardless. And sometimes that includes having compassion. Sometimes it takes rebuke. So the members, the weaker, they're necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no division, no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. That's the one another ministry. Same care you'd have for yourself. Listen, you don't see, listen, this is very simple. You don't see my organs. They're hidden from you. My heart, my lungs. But this body couldn't be here unless my heart was beating, unless air was breathing through my lungs to give. I mean, it wouldn't be here. And so there's parts of the body that all week long they're making bulletins. They're doing other things in the ministry. And you don't see them. The only person you see on Sunday morning is somebody that's playing uh, uh, up here the music or, or, or doing bulletins or, or handing you. A, but there's, everybody has a part in it. Everybody has a part, but you don't always see it. But really, my heart is more important than my body. But it's hidden from you. But it's more important. It takes everybody to be a body of Christ. And when you're not doing your part, it's called cancer. When one part of the body is not doing its part, one cell is not doing its part, and it's only taking care of itself, they call that cancer. That's what happens in a body when it has cancer. Those cells have turned into themselves, only doing what they want to do for the body, and they have to deal with it quickly and cut it off before it kills the rest of the body. It's the only way to make you live. They have to deal with it with chemo. They have to deal with it with radiation. They have to deal with it with medication. There's something that has to happen or the whole body will die. And that's why I'm telling you that sin and what you're doing and your mindset on being part of the body of Christ, but I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, is cancer to a body of Christ. We're supposed to be concerned with one another. We're all the same body. And if one member suffers, then we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we're not jealous and mad. They don't deserve that. When am I going to get that? Listen, you be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Be faithful in the little things. We all rejoice together when someone's honored. Now, you are the body of Christ. Right there. Anytime you see you are and we are, you know your identity. This is who you are in Christ. The Bible's telling you you are and we are. That's identity. Oh, I don't feel, I feel like I'm a hand and they're a foot and they're better than me. You are and we are the body of Christ together. This is who you are. It's all over the Bible. You are and we are. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. These are things that tell you who you are. You have to take that. That's your new identity. That's your new inheritance. It's your new life. And you say, this is who I am. I don't care how many lies the devil tells me. This is who I am. Oh, I done committed the unpardonable sin. I'm going to go to hell. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no judgment. There's no eternal punishment. 
You have to know the word of God or you will fall for the lie every time. That's why we encourage you to read the word of God, to learn the word of God. Now, you are the body of Christ and members individually, verse 28. And God has anointed, God has appointed, God has called these in the church. First, apostles. Apostles means one sent forth. Second, prophets. Prophets means one that foretells the truth of God, the word of God. Third, teachers. That's one who not only foretells, but now he expounds on it, helps you understand it better. But it's really a spiritual gift. After that, miracles. It's working of miracles. It's still in the body of Christ. Gifts of healing. There's still the gift of healings. Helps. Here's a good one. This is where I operated in for years. The gift of helps and the gift of ministration. Whatever I was called to do. We call it jack of all trades here. But when you, when you have the ability to do whatever needs to be done and you can be called to do that, I call it spiritual gopher. Uh, but I was a spiritual gopher for a long time. Whatever needed to be done, I'd make it happen so that the pastor could be free to study and to teach. And I was the administrator of the church in Lafayette. I, had, I carried the checkbook in my back pocket for, for 10 years. And uh, everything was done through my desk. Well, I didn't have one. I had a truck because I don't like offices. I like to be out with the people. So helps. You, you help. You got hands. I got two hands. Well, I don't know how to put up drywall, but I can hand you screws. I can pick up a hammer. I can help you carry it into the building. It's called helps. I don't know how to do that, but I can help. I can bring some cookies or make coffee. I can do the gift of helps. I mean, there's always some service gift that we can do. What's going on? You're having a picnic? Hey, can I bring a grill? You know, it's helps. Ministration or leading. It's, it's actually the word government in the King James. Government. Isn't that funny? The gift of administration. It's from the Latin that means to steer or pilot a boat. That's what the word administration is. A variety of tongues. See, there's more than just one tongue. There's more than one glossé. And before we do 29, I've got a whole bunch of other texts to look at. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Remember Romans chapter 12? Paul has written everything, and then he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then in verse 3, he says this, For I say through the grace, through the spiritual charisma given to me, to everyone. This is why Paul's speaking. He's telling you why he's speaking. Because God gave him the gift to do this. To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Don't get puffed up. But to think soberly, seriously, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. God gives us faith for the moment. God gives us faith to believe. God gives us a measure. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit without measure, and we have faith that grows. Listen to me. And God gives you that mustard seed of faith. And then he says in four, for we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. 
having then gifts differing according to the graces, the charisma that is given to us, let us use them. What's your gift? Are you using it? If you're using it, if it's prophecy, foretelling the word of God, prophesy in proportion to your faith. In other words, God gives even the faith to do it. Of ministry or servanthood, serving others, let us minister uh, in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, that's encouraging others. But you do it by the faith that God gives you. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But God and the spirit, the spirit of God is still the one who is effectually doing it in and through you. And he should get the glory. He who gives with liberality, giving liberally. Now, that might be giving of yourself. We're not talking about we're not talking about tithing. I don't even think that's a New Testament thing. Giving is giving liberally. Tithing was for the Jewish nation. Giving is 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 New Testament. But you give of your life, you give of yourself, you give of everything. Some give all. Jesus gave all. The apostles gave all. They died for their faith. Someone who's being a witness becomes a martyr for their faith because of their faith, in their faith, because of the Spirit leading them to die to self and be alive to Christ. He who leads, this is administration, this is a shepherd. He who leads, do it diligently. Later, he says, not lagging in diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Yeah, I have mercy on them. Bums. <laughs> no, cheerfully. You're doing it because you get to be like God to give mercy. We're almost done. Calm down. Ephesians chapter 4. we got to cover all three of them. It's the three main places that the gifts are talking about. Paul speaking again uh, to the church in Ephesus, modern-day Turkey, 99% Muslim, kill you if you're a Christian. He's on house arrest right now. It's one of the prison epistles. In verse 4-1, he says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. Not a career. It's a calling. If, you're, if what you're doing is a career, you can retire and enter into your calling with God. Do it with lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering. You see that? Those are all three fruits of the Spirit. Bearing with one another in love. Love is the Spirit. Love is God. Or God is love. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit of the bond of peace. You're doing everything to encourage having a humbleness of mind, and, and, and you're wanting people to be at peace with all men as far as they are able. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. She's saying some of the same things, but I want you to see it. But to each one of us, gifts, graces were given according to the measure of Christ's gift. God's the one that decides. You cannot decide, I want to be a pastor. And listen to me. If you can do anything else, go do that instead of being a pastor. If God will allow you to do anything else, go do that instead of being a pastor. Just do that. Believe me. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. And then what did he do, Greg? He gave gifts to men. 
Now this he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He died. He descended and is, is also one who ascended far above the heavens. He went back into the throne room that he might fill, pleroma, pleru, I mean, uh, he might fill just like you're filled with the Holy Spirit all things. And then it says here, and this is what I wanted to get you to, and he himself, Christ, he himself gave some to be apostles, those sent forth, some prophets, those who foretell, some evangelists. Listen, all of us are called to be witnesses, but there's the gift of evangelism. That's somebody that's specifically equipped by the Spirit to tell people about the gospel and to be able to answer people where they're at. Because And, and when you're doing that, when you're teaching, when you're doing evangelism, you use the word of wisdom, you use the word of knowledge. You use a lot of the supernatural gifts in that at the same time. And then some leaders, or it says pastor, teachers, it's really administrators. It's really all put together. Pastor, teachers, it's the word shepherd. What's it for, Greg? The perfecting, the equipping of the saints, the completion of the saints. For what? For the work of the ministry, to go out and serve. What do they do? Edify the body of Christ, each other. How long? Till we all come to the unity of the of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect or complete man, measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, and then he says, 14, that we should no longer be children. You're supposed to grow up. You shouldn't be tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery or the... Um, I got it somewhere. It's not trickery in the King James. By the slight, it's a sleight of hand. But it is tricks. It's actually talking about rolling the dice. Is that what you want to do with your eternity? Roll the dice? Trickery of men? It's actually talking about rolling the dice. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But what are we supposed to do, Greg? We're supposed to speak the truth in love. So that people will grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. This is what the body is doing. Listening to Christ, the head. Listening for his voice, for instruction. How's he doing it? He's doing it through the word of God, by the spirit of God, for the glory of God. From whom the whole body, that's all of us, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Everybody's supposed to be supplying. Actually, it's the word... By every joint, it's the word contribution. Every contribution that's made. And it's not talking about money. It's talking about your gifts and your talents, your ability. Be in there as a part of the body. Be in there. You're supplying your part, your gifting, your talent, your ability. And how do I do it? According to the effective working of the Holy Spirit, by which every part does its share and what happens then? It causes growth of the body for the edified of itself, and you do it in love. You do it in the Spirit. God is love. You do it in love. Listen, everybody's supposed to be doing their part. That's the body of Christ. If you have the Spirit of God, you'll desire to do that. Let's close with verse 29 of chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 29 Purposely, in, I put those in there like that. Then he says this with rhetorical questions. Listen, 
rhetorical questions. After he told us the gifts there, he said, are all apostles? Question mark. Are all prophets? Are all sent forth? No. Are all prophets? No. All don't forth teach. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gift of healings? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Listen. They said in the 60s that they had so many people. See, the, the Pentecostal church used to teach that if you didn't speak in tongues, you didn't have the Spirit of God. That if you were saved, you had to speak in tongues. And they said the insane asylums filled up with people wondering why God would not accept them, wondering God would, why God would not take them because they couldn't speak in tongues. Listen, everybody, if everybody speaks in tongues or everybody does the same gift, what's the purpose of a body? If everybody's an eye, if everybody's a foot, if everybody's a leg, we all have to accept our place where the Spirit has placed us and begin to do the work of the ministry. And then he says this in 31, and we'll close, but earnestly desire, earnestly covet. He says, covet the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And then you get to what? The love chapter. Because this was the problem in Corinth. This is the problem in the church. That what is love? God is love. And if you have not love, you're clanging brass. Well, what's it talking about? A form of godliness without the Spirit of God. If you have the Spirit of God, what's the fruit? Love. And it looks like joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he's speaking of the church in Corinth that were trying to do the ministry, but they had not the Spirit of God. They had not the love of God. And we need to understand that, that those come together. Their fruit of the Spirit is love. It's God himself working through you effectively to do your gifting, your talent, your ability for the profit of all, so that people can come to salvation. So I challenge you, ask God, what are you supposed to be doing? You might want to ask him, do I even have the Spirit? Because if we have not the Spirit, we're not even God's child. And ask him to fill you with his Spirit, and ask him to let you operate and walk and be a part of the body of Christ, and find out what you're supposed to be doing, and begin to do it. Father, thank you for your gifting. Thank you for sending the Spirit back after your Son asked you to send us another. Thank you for the Spirit of truth. We pray, Lord, that you would pour out your Spirit upon us and you give us a desire to be involved in the body of Christ, to be the body of Christ wherever we're at. Lord, wake us up at the heart of our Christian walk. Help us to be concerned with one another, to lay down our lives for one another. Help us to understand our identity and to walk in the Spirit so we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Thank you, Lord, that as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. Thank you that we could be called your children. Thank you for your redemption. In Jesus' name and for his glory, we pray. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. 
Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I